0: You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. We do want to welcome everybody here tonight. I, I know you're there. I see forms, but that's, a, that's about all I can see. And... Uh, So I'm just going to assume everybody's there with a big smile on your face. And today's gone very well. There's been no incidents that were negative whatsoever. Um, Got your gifts all wrapped and ready to go. Ham's in the oven or whatever it is that uh, you folks do after a a service like this tonight. And we want to try to be uh, as timely as we can for your sake. Again, I understand this this is Christmas night for a lot of folks. This is when you open the gifts and spend the time... Uh, with the family and so forth. So my goal has always been to keep it within an hour's time frame. Um, so if you'll take your Bibles out or your phones, <laughs> that's what a lot of folks use on a night like tonight. I can't read my Bible. I don't know, can you see your Bibles out there? If, you, if uh, Whatever you can. Um, this one of those messages that I, I really need you to zero in on what I'm going to be sharing especially at the beginning of the message for the rest of the message to make a lot of sense to you and for the the application to come home to your heart um, it, it it's needful for you to to know what was going on and I'll try to explain that here toward the, the beginning of the message um, years ago I had preached this passage of scripture and uh, shared some of my thoughts about that and I remember how it was Uh, critical for me to try to get you to understand a passage. There's a lot of different verses we use in the Bible during Christmas time, and it's like we'll, there's an Old Testament verse that seems to apply, and we'll read that verse and kind of throw it out there, and it has true, real meaning, but we don't always know or understand why that was given, and I have found when I realize why it was put there and some of the the historical significance of it, it really just makes the the Christmas verse, you know, come home to you. And so, um, Isaiah chapter 7, if you would look there, have I said that yet? Isaiah 7. Turn there or punch it in, whichever one you have to do. You there? Of course, you're familiar with verse 14. Everybody, maybe you even have it highlighted or maybe your Bible has some kind of special markings for that as uh, maybe a a prophecy about the Lord or something that indicates it's a special verse about Jesus. And uh, and we're going to definitely zero in on that tonight. But I want you to know why it was there and the significance of it and I think it can help uh, each of us tonight. Brother, Brother Joe preached for us uh, last night and had a message that has some similar th- background. Well, not so much the background, but the application kind of parallels this a little bit tonight. So if you'll start with me in verse 10, and then I'm going to, after that, we'll back up and I'll explain um, a little bit more of what was going on here. Okay? So notice in verse 10 of Isaiah 7, the Bible says, Moreover, the Lord spake again unto Ahaz... So you have a character being mentioned here that you're going to want to remember. And I'll just tell you right up front, Ahaz is the king of Judah, the southern kingdom of, of uh, what we would know as Israel. So you have a king being mentioned by name here. You want to remember who he was, all right? So the Lord spake to Ahaz in verse 10 and says this to him in verse 11. For some reason, he says to him, ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God, ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. Now, just so you know, he's trying to act like he's being very, um, showing a lot of reverence to God, and I wouldn't dare put God to a test on uh, something so selfish for myself as this, uh, when in reality he had ulterior motives for what he said. So in verse 12, um, but Ahaz said, Uh, I I will not ask, uh, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, hear ye now, O house of David. Um, And this is the prophet Isaiah talking to him. Is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will ye weary my God also? It's one thing for you to, uh, you know, wear men down with your attitude and, and, and make them frustrated. But he said, now you're really and truly, this is pinpointing over to God. Okay? So then he gets into verse fourteen. In verse fourteen he says, "Therefore, the Lord Himself shall give the or give you a sign. Uh, behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, as we know, meaning God. With us. All right, so bear that in mind. I'll just have a word of prayer. We'll give some background to bring that into perspective. Lord, we're grateful to be here again tonight, and uh, most of all for that birth of Christ and what we just read about that prophecy about Christ coming and being born uh, to a virgin mother, Lord, and what that, what that means to us that um, he wasn't tainted with uh, the, the blood or the sin line of common man, but was the pure sacrifice needed for our sin and uh, so help me tonight pray that you give me clarity of thought may you be glorified in it. in Jesus name we pray amen so what I know about everybody sitting here tonight is this that everybody here has a background story tonight everyone does um, I don't know what it was like for you on the way to church or getting ready to try to come here or what the day held for you or this week, what it was like, and if maybe we would go backwards into this year. But something kind of keeps trying to identify you, tries to glom onto you, and it's life circumstances, it's your background, it's, it's what's been surrounding you, and it tries to make you feel like this is who you are, and based upon your background, this is what you should be reacting to, and I think as Christians we understand that's very backwards, we should not allow our background to affect us in that way we should work from what's inside of us and then let that affect what's on the outside but lots of us have a background story matter of fact everybody here does and it does have an effect upon uh, who we are maybe our attitudes a little bit Uh, some of your circumstances involve maybe uh, uh, family surrounding you this season some of you may have some uh, for instance serious medical issues in your background Others may have financial situations knocking at your door while you're sitting here. You're trying to have a great service. You want to come here and sing joy uh, to the world. And yet I've got all some pretty heavy things in a cloud sitting over my head. And some of you may be looking at next year wondering how you're going to face it. I, I, I don't know what everyone's background here is, but I know the one that does. And I believe God wants to work with us on that if we can. So let's, let's talk about Ahaz. I told you he was the king of the southern kingdom of Israel. We call it the kingdom of Judah. And uh, the two kingdoms of Israel, the northern and the southern kingdom, and the northern kingdom, uh, they both were sinful in a lot of ways. Uh, neither one of them really had a great walk with God. But the southern kingdom of Judah, really, if there was one that was better than the other, it was the southern kingdom of Judah. And Ahaz was the king of the southern kingdom of Judah. Just kind of keep that in mind. Um, so he was facing a different background than what you anybody here probably could be facing. Um, his background of circumstances really sets the tone for everything that God tells him in our text here tonight. Here's what Ahaz was facing. He was facing extermination as a nation. They were about to be literally wiped out. Uh, for different reasons. Here's what was going on. Syria mounted a group of kingdoms together to go and fight against Assyria. And the northern kingdom of Israel agreed to go, the northern kingdom. But the southern kingdom refused to go and fight with them. And that included Ahaz. I don't want to go fight with you guys. The southern kingdom of Judah said, no, we're not going in this fight. So when the southern kingdom of Judah, King Ahaz, refused to go fight Assyria with Syria and the northern kingdom, well, those two kingdoms said, you're not going to go and fight with us. We're going to turn around and fight against you. And they had already set up, uh, I mean, the battlegrounds. And it was looking ominous. Things did not look very good for the southern kingdom of Judah and Ahaz. And it was a time where he panicked. He panicked. And uh, things on the outside, his background that we kind of talked about here just a while ago was, was dark and dismal. And it got very scary for him. And he began to try to figure in his own heart and mind, how are we going to do this? How, how are we going to get out of this alive? I mean, this could be our end. I mean, his family. I mean, he's looked at his, his wives, as many kings did in that day, had many wives, and their children. And, and the whole kingdom of people out there stood to really... Die. It was a obviously a very big deal, and the kingdom could be wiped out. So, I mean, that's a that's pretty tough background. And I doubt if there's anyone here facing anything close to that. So, secretly, here's what Ahaz did. I gotta do something, and I'm gonna get out of this one way or the other. So, secretly, without consulting God, didn't go to the Lord and say, God, what do you think we should do about this? Uh, we're, we're in some really big trouble. We've got a couple of nations larger than us. Their, their numbers far outnumber us. Uh, he didn't go to God and say, is there anything you would be willing to do to defend us? None of that was in his mind. And he just determined, I, I'll you know, grab the bull by the horns and uh, I'm going to try to make sure this thing gets taken care of. And that's, that's what he did. Without consulting God, Ahaz goes to Assyria the nation that those other guys were gonna go and attack. And uh, what he does is he hires them, and says, if we'll we'll give you gold and silver, will you fight with us and for us and push these guys away uh, from us? And so they agreed to do that, and the only way Ahaz had to pay them was to go inside the temple of God, that place that, that represented the glory of God, And began to strip away the gold and the silver off the furniture and the different implements that were inside the temple. He was desecrating the very place of worship to be able to pay off somebody else to do a job for him that God could have done and should have been doing all along. And yet he turned to a a human nation to try to get them to come and help him out rather than turning to the Lord. So it's quite a background here that we walked into into verse 10. And with that background in mind, we get into, we saw what Ahaz's plan was. I got to do something. And I'm not just going to sit here and and just wait on them to come after me and wipe us out. So he, you know, he goes into this with a lot of fear, a lot of humanity. And to be honest with you, a lot of human traits that I've seen in my life and probably in some of your lives possibly, how uh, we have seen how People just go and act out in fear and they do it on their own. And, and we've done some things in our lives that really was not very godly. We didn't think to turn around to the Lord and think that God can handle this. My God has this. God saved me from, you know, a devil's hell. Uh, so surely he can handle this. We just didn't think in, those, in, those, uh, in that manner. And that's what Ahaz did. And he's got this background behind him. And with that in mind, God says to Isaiah, the prophet, I need you to go and give a plan uh, or a a word to him. And so here's God's plan. And we read it here just a few minutes ago um, in in verse 10. Can we just look at that again if you have it open? If not, if not, please just listen to me. Listen to here's what God's plan was. We saw what Ahaz's was. You can read verses 1 to 9. Go home tonight and look at that. But God's plan is in verse 10 to 14. One more time, hear this. Moreover, the Lord spake again unto Ahaz saying, and here's Isaiah the prophet standing there talking to him and saying, here's what God wanted to do. God says to you, ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. Well, a sign for what? Well, what would he be asking a sign for? Well, what the sign was supposed to be for was to prove to those guys that God was going to take care of them. And you can ask for whatever sign you want to ask for. I will do that to prove to you that I'm going to take care of you. So that's how it kind of lays out here. Again, in verse 11, ask the assign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth, anything here on earth you want to come up with, or in the height above. Look up in the heavens. See the stars and the moon and the sun and the planets. Ask for anything you want to ask for as proof that I'm going to take care of you. And then uh, in verse 12, Ahaz tries to act like he's real godly. But Ahaz said, I I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. Verse 13, um, and he said, hear ye now, O house of David. This is the prophet speaking back to him. Is it a small thing for you to weary men? I mean, it's one thing for you to wear me down, but will ye weary my God also? Because it's God that wanted you to do this. It's not just some man. God was knocking at your door. So in verse 14, basically he says, look, if you're not going to ask for a sign, then here's what he says in verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And if you don't think that was as miraculous as anything that he could have asked for, then you don't understand the significance of the virgin birth and what a miracle that really was that the God of heaven came down to common man and, and, in the form of a woman and planted uh, the seed of God in that woman. And she never knew a man. And now here's this virgin giving, does that make sense? A virgin giving birth? How does that happen? Only in a miraculous way can that ever happen. So God's plan, let me talk about it for the last section of my, of my message here tonight. God knows what Ahaz is facing. Would you agree with me that God knew everything that was in his face? And would you agree tonight that when Ahaz heard those two north, those kingdoms, the northern kingdom and, and Syria saying, you're not going to fight with us, then we're going to wipe you out. You think God was so busy that he didn't hear those things? And do you think that Judah was not significant enough to God, that God was going to take care of them and and know that they were in trouble? Uh, Of course, God knew all those things. And how many of us here believe tonight, God knows your every circumstance that you are facing here tonight? Would you agree with me that God knows your circumstances God knew the background of what you are going through when you walked in the back doors of this church, or the front doors. God knew what you were going through. God knows what um, you are facing when you walk out of the doors of this church tonight. God knows when you get in your car and you're driving home, those other thoughts are gonna, you know, your background starts rushing back into your face and tries to get into your head and tries to affect your heart. And God knows how our background tries to get us to walk away from the things and the plans of God and uh, to begin to do things my way, you know, to develop a plan that I think might work the best for me, you know, what we call it, leaning to our own understanding. And I got to tell you, the greatest places in my life where I've got into the greatest messes in my life was when I tried to lean to my own understanding and tried to develop and work things out for myself because I panicked and my background and what I was going through in life, I, I failed to turn to God and say, God, you know where I'm at. I need your hand to work. God knows what everybody is experiencing here tonight. Everything, guys. He knows the depths of your heart. He knows how deep, ugly fear can happen in your heart. He knows how you can get distracted with happy things. And that's part of your background. And even happy things can have a tendency to try to work against, you know, what might be the plan of God in your life. Knowing that, knowing that God knows everything in everyone's life, God sends a prophet. His name was Isaiah. And he goes to the king Ahaz uh, to remedy his problems. You know what, Ahaz, we, we have something that can take care of all of your issues and, and all of your problems. And so Isaiah goes and to, to tell him these issues. Basically, he tells Ahaz he's going to solve his problems. Uh, and the Jews were notorious. Oh, yeah, you're going, to, you're going to promise me this, God? Well, give me a sign. They were notorious for that. We just want a sign from you, God. That'll help me to believe in you more if I can just see something and they always needed to see something physically, and God was willing to roll with that. Okay, I'm gonna give you a sign, is what uh, he says to them. And to prove to Ahaz that God was going to do this to protect him and to deliver him, he says to Ahaz, "Uh, Ahaz, you ask for the sign that you want. Name it. I will prove to you I'm gonna take care of you. You can ask anything on this earth that you want to ask. Or if you wanna ask of something in the heavens, the heights, you read the verse and, and you can see that's what he's trying to say. I don't care if you ask for the stars to skip across the sky. If you wanna ask the planets to reverse their order, go ahead and ask that. I'm willing to you know, set the sun backwards and turn time backwards for you to prove to you that I'm going to answer your need and your problem. Or bring it down here to the earth. Come down here and think of anything that you've ever seen happen in a miraculous way. I'll do, I'll duplicate that. I'll raise a dead man from the grave and stand him up and give him life again. I'll do, uh, I'll put mountains where there were no mountains. Uh, I'll make the sea stand up on its end. You ask it. Anything you want to ask will not be too big of a sign for me to give to you to prove to you that I'm here to deliver you, and I can take care of your problems. It was obvious that this sign was supposed to be something that only God could do to prove that it would be God and God alone who would deliver them, not the strength of common man. That's what God was trying to get them away from. Just just let me show you what I can do for you. I I don't want to see you working this out with your fingerprint on something. We mess things up so bad. Can anybody else agree with me? We've messed so many things up so badly. And God says, just let me show you that I can do this. So there simply was no limit to what he could have asked for. I mean, who gets that kind of a, uh, you know, um, a privilege To be able to turn to God and say, okay, God, I'd I'd like to see you do this. And then I'd really know that you were, you know, working for me or that you were really on my side. You know, if you could just do the handwriting on the wall thing, uh, you know, like you did in the Bible. Then I would really, really know that this was the mind of Christ and and, uh, and, and, um, not me. But there's so many times it's just too easy for me to step up and say, you know what? I got this, and I can handle it. And it's not like you throw a hand up in the face of God so much uh, physically as it is spiritually, that's what we do. I have a way I can fix this. I don't know with what you're going through if that's what you're thinking tonight, that somewhere along the way, I'll figure this out. I'll get this problem taken care of, and I'm sure somehow I can fix what's going on. And I would just tell you this, we don't have what it takes. We, we, don't, we don't know what it's going to take. We don't know how to do the things that only a holy God in heaven was designed to do anyway. And I hope we can begin to see this this evening. But Ahab refuses on these bases. First of all, he tries to make it look like he's being respectful to God. He says to him, you know, I don't want to tempt God by, you know, throwing out a big request like that. He's got his fingers crossed behind his back, so to speak. Uh, but the truth of the matter was this. He already had bypassed God. He had already tempted the Lord foolishly. He'd already done that. He'd hired the Assyrians and he would devised his own plan, leaving God right out of the whole picture. He's robbing the temple of God of its gold, the very thing that was a symbol of the glory of God. And and do you understand, anytime we lean to our own understanding, anytime I take things into my own hands and I determine I'm going to make this happen, we rob God of his glory. We strip him of the glory and the honor that would have rightfully belonged to God. And we run off trying to handle it ourselves and we end up in this tremendous mess. And all along, God could have gotten his glory in that matter. We take away the opportunity for God to show his mighty power in our lives. So, since Ahaz won't ask for a sign from God as proof of his promise to deliver him, God tells Ahaz that he is going to give him a sign anyway. It was right there in verse 14. Look at it again. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. If you're not going to ask for one, I'm going to give you one anyway. It'll be every bit Uh, as great as one you could have asked and, and greater here it is behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel God would bring heaven down and unite it with common man he would send a son to be born of a virgin his son who would solve the problem with their sin and what God was trying to get Judah to understand was this The greatest problem they had was a broken relationship because of the sin problem that man has in their hearts. And he was telling them that he would take care of that with his son, Emmanuel. God God was going to come down and would place himself on this earth and would handle man's greatest problem. What God wants us to know tonight that um, we don't have a problem that is so big that God cannot handle it it doesn't matter what you are experiencing tonight you don't have a problem that is so big that the God of heaven cannot handle that for us tonight he can handle your greatest problem you know what your greatest problem is is every one of us sitting here tonight is our sin problem that separated between us and God and God had a solution for that didn't he the problem that would have sent us into a devil's hell forever throughout eternity. You don't have a problem any greater than that. And if you're trying to work on a problem that you think's bigger than that one, and you don't have your own salvation settled tonight, friend, then you don't know what your greatest problem is. Our greatest problem is our sin problem that has separated us from a holy God. And God knows how to handle that. He's well up to the task. And he knew how to handle it. He sent his son, Jesus. To die on Calvary. To pay my sin debt. And now whosoever would simply call upon the name of the Lord. I can't handle this. This is a problem way too big for me. If I'm going to have salvation in a home in heaven. I've got to call out to a great big God. Who can handle all of my issues. We could never ask for something that he wouldn't be able to handle. He can handle your your, your greatest problem, again, that was the, the sin problem that's in your life. And if God can take care of man's greatest problem, my broken relationship with God, I, I'm not his child. I'm on my way, as I said, uh, to eternal punishment in hell. If God can handle man's greatest problem, please listen to this. He can certainly take care of all the other smaller problems that are at work in your life tonight. It doesn't matter what your background is. Guys, it doesn't matter what you're going through. If Jesus Christ can handle this guy's sin problem with God and give me my relationship back with the holy God when I could have never done that. If God can do that, then he can do anything else in this life that I need him to do. And that's what you're going through tonight. That's what you're going to face this coming year. I can handle it. That's what he was trying to let Ahaz know. Stop trying to, you know, beat this thing in the ground with your own fist. Let God reach down and take care of it for you. And again, if God can handle your greatest problem, rest assured, everything else can be handled as well. Genesis eighteen fourteen. asks the question: Is anything too hard for the Lord? Could we answer that tonight? No, not at all. God can handle it all. I love Psalm fifty five twenty two. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Wow. Do you believe that promise tonight? Do you need some huge and great sign to prove that that word is true? Or do you believe tonight, with the group that we have here tonight... That if God handled my greatest problem, he's going to be able to handle everything else as well. Yes, Jesus came and answered to the prophecy of Isaiah to be the virgin-born son who would take the sin of the world away and save us. Yes, he did. But let's not fall into the same trap of Ahaz and think we have a better plan than God for our background story tonight. Somehow, some way, the devil throws that out at us and makes us think I'm very capable. Please, God help us never to get to that place. You don't have a need so big this Christmas that God cannot handle. It's a Bible promise. God is well up to the task and very capable of solving your problems. Christmas is all about God working a plan that we could never solve in the first place. That's what Christmas is about for me. Wouldn't it be a shame to have a problem bigger than us tonight and to head into Christmas trying to work it out on our own thinking I, you know, I've got this somehow, some way, throw enough credit cards at it, you know, uh, I don't know, play the music loud enough so I can't think of those negative things. I don't know, what, what do you do to try to drown out those ugly concerns? wouldn't it be a shame to have a problem bigger than us and head into Christmas trying to work it out on our own when all along God has a plan to deliver you here's what's really exciting to me we have little ones running around our feet at our house bunch of them And they're so, I said, are you guys excited? Oh, we can't wait for tonight or tomorrow morning. They just cannot wait to open up those gifts and uh, see what is there for them. And, um, you know, they'll ask for different things. You've had your kids ask for big things, and you're thinking, uh, ain't going there. (laughs) Take her down a couple of notches, you know. It's not in the budget. Credit cards maxed, whatever you guys do. I hope that's not your plan, but you know what's exciting to me about that? You'll never ask for anything that God says back to you, I can't afford that. Or I'm not capable of doing that for you." you. You'll never have a circumstance that's so dark and ugly this Christmas. That God's not willing to say, you know what, I'll put that under the tree for you i'll I'll put that in your heart for you but let me work it out in my time and in my way and when it's all done and you haven't opened the gift too fast you've not made it happen your way or in your time it'll be a beautiful present and it'll be praise the lord fully assembled (laughs) amen i hate those words some assembly required and what that means is it's going to take seven days for you to get this figured out that's what that usually means. And then you find out, oh, the batteries didn't come with it. hmm But when God works it out, and when God wraps it and puts it in your heart, when it's time and it opens up, it's fully assembled and ready to go for what you are experiencing. That so encourages my heart tonight. You'll never ask for something that was too big for God. So my thought tonight, and we're gonna wrap it up with this, why don't we cast our burdens on the Lord? Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. He'll keep you right in his hand, right in the center of his heart, as long as, as he is the one that is working the plan. Allow him to deliver our burdens tonight and our heartaches and our fears and our doubts. I want to head into Christmas knowing that whatever my background is, bright or dark, doesn't matter, but I want to know that my God has his hand on it and not mine. Anybody else say amen to that? I want to have a good Christmas. I want to know that Christ is the reason for everything, really, literally. And he's, he's got it, and he's doing a great job. And he wants to do that for you tonight. And, um, and I know it's Christmas Eve. I know it's kind of festive, and this, I don't know what spirit you're sensing here tonight. But here's what I want to ask us to do. Um, we're going to have an invitation, and um, I want to ask you if you just bow your heads with me.